0: welcome to super respectable. My name is Tohir Rahman and this is David Lewis. Dave? Hey. Hey. It's uh we're recording on November the 3rd. Today is election day in America. And we, just as we were saying right before we started, we're both a little jittery <laughs> even though we're yeah. not American. I had so a couple of coffees,
1: but I don't think it's just the coffee. It's um just tension.
0: It's, I think it's very common. I think uh, Americans probably feel it the most because it's their home country. But I think a lot of people around this world are looking at today uh, with some anxiety. Who knows what will happen?
1: Yeah, there's been a lot to be nervous and anxious about this year. And uh, the US presidential election isn't helping things. Um, So uh, I just hope that there's a normal outcome. (laughs) Like that, that doesn't descend into some sort of Ridiculous civil war or something because yeah. we talked about like shopkeepers boarding up their uh, restaurants and doors in, in Washington and other cities and it's like, is that really America in 2020. I
0: uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think the uncertainty is definitely a part of it. COVID is a part of it. The kind of how Trump has been leading up to the election and how he'll react is a part of it as well I think I was telling you right before we recorded one of the scary things is that if it's too close the results not might not be as instantaneous as we want it to be right it might not be today it might not even be in a week it could be in a month like happened with Al Gore and Bush back uh, in
1: yeah I remember like that one it was a semi-civil discourse back then mm-hmm. um, of course elections get ugly um, but nothing like today where it's just really, really bitter and nasty. And yeah. then the, that dragged on, it went to the Supreme Court, there were the hanging chads with the, the ballots. Totally. And um, yeah. if it's a close election this time, who knows what's going to happen? So yeah, all yeah. that off.
0: Yeah, this morning I was listening to uh, just the radio and they were kind of uh, going through past uh, um, uh, election counts and election days. And in that scenario, Gore versus Bush in 2000, uh, um, Gore actually conceded right uh, he actually initially conceded but then he called an hour later and he took it back and yeah, then just but kidding <laughs> <laughs> but then in 36 days when when even though he disagreed with uh, the court's decision he still conceded uh, as a dignified politician but I think this scenario is a little bit more problematic because I don't think we can put the words dignified and Trump in the same <laughs> sentence so who knows what'll happen you know uh
1: Yeah, Yeah. I think like the interesting part for me, uh, there's many interesting parts, but like Mm -hmm. there's the handover element in January, you know, when um, Obama and Trump had to shake hands and talk to each other awkwardly after, you know, Trump said all these things about him not being Mm -hmm. bored and his birth certificate and really going after him and they had to like be civil for the cameras. And Trump was pretty well behaved then and semi-presidential. But like what's going to happen... if Biden wins and they got to sit down together, is he just going to be really antagonistic and bullying and I don't know.
0: So I, I read a really interesting article the other day about how some inside the Trump uh, White House are already preparing for a transition if it were to happen. And there was a couple of people who would do it. Uh, they were saying in a positive way, like they knew the, the rules and how did they, they didn't fall in the same mindset as Trump and his cabinet. Yeah. So there's a couple of people who are, I think, uh, and I think one is really high up. I, I, I think it's his chief of staff or whatnot, but they would be preparing for a transition. And usually, I think in these scenarios, you'd hope that, you know, you'd hope that that period would be smooth and uh, non uh, tumultuous And uh, uh, yeah, but under Trump, I just feel like if he loses, uh, he's going to make an issue of it. And if it if he loses and he knows that he's only got two and a half months left, he's going to put a lot of legislation through that's not going to be beneficial. and. Biden will just have to spend his first couple of years just untying all these problems like that they do. And
1: can you do that? Like, I guess in uh, the November to January period, like post um, election, can like the president do all these final um, uh, votes and actions? or they lost uh, that I power. Think, they can pardon people. I mean, I know that like Bill Clinton pardoned some pardoned
0: a lot of people. Pretty yeah.
1: interesting characters in his like final acts. But I don't. I'm not sure. Like, I guess it's you can, you're still technically president, 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 right, until January 20th.
0: You'd need the. You'd need. I, I'm just guessing. If I was my guess, you'd probably need the support of the the two houses, which he has, right? Or does he? I mean, yeah, he's, he's got, got one. He's got one. But he just got a Supreme Court judge through, right? So uh, yeah. Uh, Amy blah 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 and so like (laughs) I guess I mean American politics is so like decisive in that it's like it's just it's just uh, if you're this party you're like opposed to this party and it's just it's just insanity because like the other day I was listening to a a Republican not a politician but a Republican who was a a, a, sorry a conservative he made it very clear I'm a conservative uh, ideologist but not a Republican and he made a really good case for his ideologies but he wasn't a Trump supporter you know he said that this is not the Republican Party that I knew or I grew up on. I believe in smaller government, more business, blah, blah, blah. And he made a really good argument, which I think is, and he said that, listen, like we're, we've come to a point where like, uh, you know, the way we're playing politics is so dirty. In the other days we used to play the numbers. We didn't do anything dirty, but we knew that if, for example, like if we were like in this state, it was always Democrat, we'd have to put it, but like, he was very strategic with it and he played the game fairly, which I respect, you know, but like, I think coming out and, and then really just kind of doing what's beneficial for yourself and not for your party and just I think the only thing Trump only person Trump cares about is himself right like I don't think he really cares about anything else so like I don't know I think a lot of damage has been caused in the last four years nationally and internationally whether Trump stays or Biden comes in it's going to be a huge uh, a huge problem to untie if that's the case or it'll just be a bigger knot for another four years I don't know (laughs) it's difficult who knows?
1: who knows it's
0: difficult anyways let's it's, let's move to positive topic of COVID <laughs> how's that going
1: oh yeah uh, what other positive topics do we have we have COVID yeah mm-hmm. um, COVID yeah there's another press conference tonight here in the Netherlands wow. um, so uh, as things work here everything's been leaked ahead of time and we already know what's going to happen so oh, yeah. The museums are gonna close, the cinemas uh, are gonna shut. I didn't get a chance to watch any more movies at the cinema as we talked about last week. So yeah. I didn't uh, use that opportunity. Um, and apparently they're going to say no travel at Christmas but I don't think they're gonna enforce it. They'll just say, don't go anywhere. Don't go skiing, don't go uh, see your, your family. So is it right
0: to say that the numbers have gotten worse since the last time we spoke?
1: uh they've kind of held somewhat steady but it's held steady at a pretty high number so um i think most other countries would find the number like absolutely unacceptable yeah um but here we're getting to be around uh between eight and ten thousand cases a day which is quite Mm. a lot especially for a population
0: Um, not so large yeah yours
1: yeah so i think the idea is they're starting to see maybe a a dip in the numbers and then if they Put uh, in tighter measures, they can like really work to push it down um, more. But we shall see. We shall see. And you, how's, how's it going over there? It's okay. Um, I was telling uh,
0: my wife the other day that like, I think the numbers are not great. To be honest, I haven't checked. Like, uh, but based on my uh, observations, I feel that like everyone wears masks, but everyone's still out and about and doing their thing. And like the country's operating as normal. So like either they've done a really great job of controlling everything or they're not being as forthright with the data as (laughs) possible. And I think it's the latter, not, not the former because airports are open tourism's open. People are coming and going, but I will have to double check on the numbers. But I mean, I'm kind of getting a little depressed with the situation. Like my sister lives in the UK as does uh, your family too. And like in the UK, they're going into lockdown as of tomorrow for a month. Uh, Maybe longer, maybe Um, longer uh back home it's not as bad as the uk but it is like not great um yeah like i just feel like there's nowhere you can go my dad is in town and he had to do two COVID tests uh before getting here so he did one three days before leaving uh and then he did one on the day of thankfully it was negative on both a pcr test so he was okay but uh yeah, I don't know how much longer I can kind of start living like this. It's gone crazy. And you, you, you shared. We'll, we'll post it. You shared with me a trailer for uh, a movie they made about COVID, like in the last couple months, <laughs> a big blockbuster too.
1: It was a Michael so, Bay or Jerry Bruckheimer. I don't, I don't know which one, but uh, yeah, I don't know how they filmed it. They must have just closed off uh, part of um, some studio in Hollywood and had a very distanced uh, film set and uh yeah it's it's a bit too soon i think for that kind of movie. <laughs> <laughs> well first of all we can't even go see it in the cinema so it might be released on like you
0: can't see it <laughs> online but yeah i guess it you know it's hollywood they always try to find something to capitalize on and if it's timely then it's relevant and if it's relevant then it's a moneymaker right so so yeah, yeah. anyways let's start Anyhow. with so, I uh, totally non-political today's, today's episode. Uh, it has to do with our country of Canada. So, I thought we'd go oh. back home. We haven't gone home. I do have to give a little bit of a warning to listeners, though. It is somewhat gruesome. So, like, uh, it does involve uh, uh, a murder, uh, but uh, a little bit of a gruesome murder. And uh, I think you'll know what we're talking about. So, uh, it's the killing of Tim McLean. Do you know? Do you know the name? Uh,
1: maybe, maybe. He's the nope. uh,
0: it's it's the, he's the kid who was on the uh, on the Greyhound bus and he got beheaded.
1: Oh no, not that one.
0: I'm sorry, okay. but I uh, I felt like it was interesting <laughs> because I actually looked into it. It's not as clear cut as it and there's a twist. There is a. There's a...
1: Yeah? Sorry, just just for, for me, the reason why it's uh, exceptionally traumatic for me is uh, I, I was on a Greyhound bus when, when it... I learned of the the Greyhound bus murder, so it uh, really really frightened me.
0: Yeah, so, totally. so, uh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no problem. There's a twist ending, which I didn't know until until I researched it. And then uh, I don't think I'll take a Greyhound bus ever again. So I'm, I'm OK, you know. <laughs> but uh, what happened is that um, on, uh, on July 30th, 2008, uh, Tim McLean, a 22-year-old Canadian boy from my home province of BC, uh, was stabbed, beheaded, and cannibalized while riding a Greyhound bus along the Trans-Canada Highway. Uh, uh, it's really gruesome, you guys. So again, a warning, but uh, uh, I won't go into like the small little like the disgusting parts of it. I'll look at the overall picture. But uh, oh, but quick question, Dave. the Trans-Canada Highway, it's uh, um, it's highway number one, if I'm correct, right?
1: The... Uh, I would assume so.
0: Okay, let's say it's highway number one. I think it goes from Vic- uh, from Vancouver. Uh, all the way out to the most eastern part of the country, before the islands, right? Like that's it goes across the country through every major city or close to every major city, right?
1: Yeah, that's correct. Yeah.
0: have you have you ever done a nationwide road trip or partial uh, nationwide road trip? Or uh, I road trip?
1: haven't, and I have no desire to. But we did like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not we a did good as, a, as a family. We did uh, from Ottawa, my hometown, to. Yeah. Uh, the East coast to Prince Edward Island, um, which was quite a drive. And that yeah. was like enough I, for me. I just get cabin fever inside a car and um, I much, pre- I would do, I would do the train travel. Yeah. So I would do like the via, my parents did the cross uh, Canada yeah. uh, via train journey. And I would do that because you can talk to people and move inside the cabin. And, yeah, train to yeah. Yeah. I get a, like uh, read a book. Whereas when you're driving, you always have to be like tense and seeing how much gas do we have left? Are you hungry? Do you need to use the toilet? All yeah. these other like stupid things. Yeah. Um, so uh, when COVID is over, maybe a uh, Trans uh, Canada Via Rail tour would be sure. in order. What,
0: what, what I'll do in this presentation is I'll talk about something negative, and it includes some type of tourism for Canada. And that'll be nice. <laughs> but okay. I, the reason I mentioned the Trans Canada Highway is that our country is very beautiful, and uh, if you are going to be on a bus where something negative will not happen, or on a train, it really is like during the day, parts of our country are. Uh, amazingly uh, stunning uh, visually as well, whether it's the Rockies in the West, or you go to the prairies in the middle or up near the Atlantic provinces, it really is just stunning, right? Aesthetically. So like- uh,
1: uh, What about the part from like Ottawa to the prairies?
0: Well, I mean- Have you we, done that? We, uh, I haven't, but uh, <laughs> I have no intention of doing that either.
1: My, my parents said on, the, on the, that journey, they said it was just trees. More yeah. trees. It would wake up and it would be trees again. Yeah, And it would just go like that for a couple of days. They say um, that if you're driving
0: in that part on the highway, you could fall asleep and wake up and you'd still be on the road. Like nothing would happen because it's just yeah, flat. Should, hopefully,
1: well, you uh, shouldn't be falling asleep while you drive, I hope. Um, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, okay. So uh, so this bus uh, 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 was actually leaving, um, uh, was going west on Trans-Canada Highway uh, from Portage-A-Prairie. In Tim McLean, 22 years old, was a carney uh, a carnival barker. <laughs> just for those of people who don't know what a carny is, it's a slang term for someone who works at like carnivals that move from place to place. So they're part of the crew, you know. So it seems like a fun job if you're young, I guess. So uh, he had just finished a, a shift uh, at a carnival in Edmonton. Uh, he was coming home to Winnipeg. So uh, uh, he got onto the bus. It left. At, uh, it left. He was just sitting in the back, uh, the rear, one seat above, uh, in front of the toilets. Right. Um, uh, the bus stops at six fifty-five. <laughs> Your Honor, uh, six fifty-five in Erickson, uh, Manitoba. A new passenger uh, by the name of Vince Lee gets in. Lee is tall. He's Asian Canadian. He's got a shaved head. He's wearing sunglasses. Interesting fact: He was at the front of the bus initially but then he decides to move to the back and sit next to McLean. Uh, McLean barely acknowledges the guy. He falls asleep uh, with his headphones on. So while the guy is sleeping, uh, some of the reports, because most of the most of the information came from other passengers on board, uh, on their witness accounts. Uh, they say that uh, Lee takes out a knife while McLean is sleeping and starts stabbing him in the neck and chest with it. Uh, so... McLean is asleep. He doesn't even know what's happening, which is terrifying in itself. Right. I always have this fear. I don't have a fear that I'll be stabbed at night, but I always have a fear that I won't be conscious when something bad happens to me. You know what I mean? So I can't like react to it, which is, but like, uh, uh, I don't know if you share in that fear or if you just think we're like on planes when I let's sit next to people or whatnot, I don't think about being stabbed, but I just think about like, the most disturbing thing is like, if you're on an aisle or the middle seat, someone has to wake you up to go to the washroom in the middle of the night and you're just like, just go over me, man. Or just like, you know, over. (laughs) everyone has to be so polite. You have to do that thing where you're like, Oh, and then, but in mine, you're like, I was just sleeping, you know? This is why I fly first class only from now on. Yeah, right. right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, uh, uh, so when the bus driver notices what's happening, he pulls the bus to the side and he gets all the passengers out. He he tries to go back and tries to save McLean with some other passengers, but the other guy Lee, he takes out the knife and he's kind of like, you know, jabbing a little towards them. So you can, they kind of move back. Uh, uh, um, So this again, warning. So Lee cuts off McLean's head and he shows it to the other passengers uh, uh, who are outside, right? And and then there's reports that he starts actually eating some of McLean's flesh, which is pretty gross. So now you have like, like, imagine this it's like pretty much the middle of the night or evening, sorry. It's the middle of Manitoba. It's cold. Uh, 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 because it's the prairies it's cold Uh, you have a bunch of people stranded on the middle of the highway and this guy lee he's actually like cordoned off the bus like so he's inside and he's locked the door so you can't go back in right and so he's got a knife and people say that uh, 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 people say that this guy is like just like uh, pacing the bus like going back and forth and uh, he's like uh, he's defiling the corpse and eating parts of it as well so people are really like freaking out here right so Dave, my first question to you is that if you were one of the passengers on the bus, uh, 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 like say you got off the bus, yeah, mm. and, like you're on the side of the highway and like what's going through your brain at this moment? Are you just like, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> like, are you freaking out, post-traumatic stress, don't know what to do? Uh, because some people, I'll tell you, tell me your answer then I'll tell you what some people were doing at that time.
1: Uh, I guess it depends. So where they stopped was quite isolated if I remember. Yes, yeah, like on. adds yeah. adds to the um, PTSD element. But I would just get off the bus and run as fast as I could, <laughs> and just keep running, 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 running. Yeah. And if even if I, I wouldn't do hitchhiking, I wouldn't stick my thumb out. I would just keep going until I found a town, uh, and and uh, you know get get the hell out of there. But so you would yeah. you wouldn't
0: you wouldn't be a hero and try to like go back? Oh no! Like oh that. no way! Yeah. Okay. No good.
1: chance. Good. 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 Um,
0: yeah. So most passengers were pretty much hysterical during this point. They were crying, uh, vomiting, uh, rightly so. I can understand if you saw someone's de- decapitated head. RCMP show up. Uh, RCMP is our national police force. So we have provincial and citywide ones. And oh, not provincial. Sorry. Oh, you have a provincial one. provincial. Yeah. I think so, uh, BC has one too. Uh, we might. No? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure, but uh, I know city for sure, national, and then provincial. So the RCMP, the national ones, show up. Uh, um, and, and they know that this guy can't leave anymore because uh, they're, they're cordoning off the area. Plus, the guy tried to leave, but the driver actually put, in, put on the emergency immobilizing system so the bus doesn't move, you know. So that's a good thing on the driver, I guess. So, uh, uh, so there's a big standoff at this point. Cars come and pick up the passengers and they bring them to like a nearby town. So if you had ran there, you probably would have met
1: the passengers. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: and they would have hated me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he would have been out of breath, but these guys, uh, 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 negotiators come in, tactical units come in, uh, um, um uh, uh and then uh you know they uh, some people said that they heard lee say that like i have to stay on this bus forever quote unquote like was there
1: um information on the response time like if you're in this rural part of uh, Manitoba, right
0: yeah uh, I, um, I, I forgot the times i did can be quite them. hard
1: it was hard there.
0: but apparently people got there pretty quickly the rcmp wasn't okay. there they probably dispatched from the nearest uh location i uh, just as a note to our listeners if you join the rcmp did you know this if you join the RCMP and you're put into like some remote place in the middle of nowhere, I think you get paid more. So like uh, you do, uh, yeah. So I know if you go up north uh, and where no one ever wants to go, you get paid a lot of money, but it's boring. But I it might be nice too. Get a couple books, <laughs> police during the day, read during the night, <laughs> freeze during the evenings. You know. But, but imagine amongst-
1: you're imagine you get called out to one of these things. Like, what's going through your head as an RCMP officer? For sure, you get trained for all sorts of scenarios, but yeah, you're still a human being and. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't imagine they had ever dealt with anything on that scale.
0: Totally. I mean, if you're in, a, if you're a small town cop, what's the most like, maybe like, you know, someone didn't pay their meter or like, you know, like uh, my dog is lost or whatever it is. Like then suddenly you get a call that like someone's head's been decapitated. Totally. Um, it's actually interesting. Just hold on to that thought. Something really unfortunate happens at the end, a couple of years afterwards towards one of the officers who reported on the scene. But um, so Lee starts, uh, Lee tries to, this is so stupid of him. I mean, he's already put himself into this. He tries to escape by breaking one of the windows on the bus. I don't know where he thought he would go. Like RCMP tackle him down. They arrest him. Uh, He's shot with a taser twice. He's handcuffed and uh, placed in the back of a cruiser. So parts of the body of the victim are placed in plastic bags and uh, they're found on the bus. But the ears, nose and tongue are found in Lee's pockets like of this guy, so like really it's gross. And uh, this is a really, this is probably the grossest part. So after this, well, it's all downhill after this. Um, The victim's eyes and part of his heart were never recovered and are presumed to have been eaten by Li. So like a very Hannibal Lecter thing going there. So uh, just some background on Li, he was 40 years old. He's from China, super interesting. I think this is really interesting. He graduated from the Wuhan Institute of Technology with a bachelor's in computer science. Wow. Wuhan, Yeah, uh, he was in Beijing for four years. He immigrated to Canada in 2001. Uh, apparently he had, he had an incident with the OPP, the Ontario Provincial Police uh, back in uh, 03, 04, and he'd been hospitalized. But here's the interesting thing. He worked a number of kind of various jobs in, 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 uh, in Winnipeg and in Edmonton, and he had really good reports from his, his employers. They said he was okay. He had a little trouble with the language, but no really mental illness or problems. Um, but the only thing was about four weeks before this incident, he got fired, uh, from, uh, having a, for, from Walmart, from having a disagreement with some of his colleagues. And like, I think that's okay. I mean, who wants to work at Walmart anyway? There's some multinational. <laughs> so, um, so apparently what happened was, uh, the night before, or, sorry, the afternoon, uh, before he had boarded the bus, he was in Edmonton. Uh, uh, um, he apparently like a couple hours, even before boarding, he was sitting at a bus stop with his luggage. Uh, People say that they saw him at like three o'clock in the morning, just sitting there with his eyes open on a bench, wide open on a a bench waiting for the bus, which is weird. Uh, 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 Apparently, um, the morning of the the incident, he sold his laptop to a 15 year old kid for 60 bucks because he needed the cash or something like that. Uh, Apparently, the laptop was afterwards seized by the ICMP as evidence. And the boy who actually bought the laptop uh, 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 from them, he actually got a new laptop from the RCMP because he was so uh, he was so helpful in helping the RCMP with this case. Hmm. <laughs> so like, uh, uh, um, oh, sorry, it wasn't from the RCMP. It was from another businessman who found the kid to be so honest that he gave him another laptop because he has to. Well, that's nice. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, um, apparently, uh, uh, one of the witnesses said that during the attack, like Lee was pretty much just like totally calm. Uh, he was oblivious to what was happening, no rage. Uh, He was like a robot just stabbing a guy, Uh, um, um, which is scary, right? Like it's not even, there's like no processing whatsoever in your brain. You're just like, I guess this is how you stab. I I don't know. Like, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so just like, just like dead, dead inside, just doing it. And I wonder like, if that's a psychological thing, if your brain shuts down, you know, sometimes I've heard that when you do horrible things, you don't even know you do them sometimes, you know? And like, it's just, you're just waking
1: up after it's like happening outside of you and your consciousness. Yeah, yeah.
0: apparently, when he, when he was in court, uh, 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 the only words he ever uttered or the only words that he reportedly uttered were, uh, please, for someone to kill him, like, uh, because he didn't want to go through this. Um, so, unfortunately, in, in March 2009, so about uh, eight nine months later, uh, he was found to be criminally uh, not to be criminally responsible for the murder. Uh, rather, he found he was found to have mental and psychiatric issues. So, he was put into a high security mental health facility. Uh, um, where he uh, where he was until uh, 2015. Uh, apparently, over the years, he actually did really well mentally, like with his health. He as he uh, progressed in his in his in his uh, in his journey, I guess he got more freedoms. Uh, you know, he was able to go outside. He was then able to have supervised walks. He was able to have supervised visits into the nearest town, then unsupervised visits, and then he was able to go into a, the into a, the, into a big city, but with a mobile phone. And eventually he got to a point where he was able to not live in the, uh, in the facility anymore, but to stay in group homes. So where it would be more like, yeah, this is weird, where he was able to get like psychiatric help, but not be in prison. Uh, so in February, 2016, seven years after the incident, he apparently changes his name to Will Baker,
1: uh, <laughs> which is a very,
0: a very common name for a Chinese, Canadian <laughs> gentlemen. And he decides that he doesn't wanna live in the group home anymore. He wants to live independently. And he wins the right to live alone uh, based on the recommendation of the criminal Co- code review board. So the board actually sides with him. What? Like, you know, like this guy chopped off someone's head. And even if he was mentally unstable, he was able to get pretty much like parole to live by himself in society. No Wait, was
1: there any, um, like, did they not test him for whether he was on drugs while, while when he did the, the, the murder? Ooh, I didn't um... I uh I didn't read about it but if if or they, he was off his off his meds off his meds yeah yeah, yeah.
0: if he was off his meds I think it would result in the same outcome a mental institute right because it I mean it would have it would have gone to the fact that he needed meds because he was mentally unstable I think
1: that's just my opinion right I just find it hard to imagine someone um without uh, the influence of some psychotic drug is able to be that crazy um and commit such an act I, it's it's wild
0: yeah i don't know so there I was mean, that
1: thing a few years ago you remember bath salts or something there's some drug where people were terrified that if someone took it they would go around and like yeah, yeah cannibalize people and they were possessed and acted like zombies um but yeah that's this is just such a bizarre case
0: in one report uh, uh i read he said the reason he had done it was to save the people from the aliens that was okay uh, i mean that's not something you hear every day. And I don't think you'd have to kill someone to save them from the aliens. But, uh, no. but I think not only, not only the, was the murder horrific, the way it was done was horrific as well. And, uh, just, the just, the the unexpectedness of it too, right. On in such a public place. Uh, so like um,
1: they, when they, uh, interviewed, like you said, he didn't say much, right. When during the trial, the trial yeah. or he said very few words, so they never really figured out, like, was he going somewhere on that bus, or was he just going on the bus to, like, with the, the intention to kill someone?
0: I don't think um, he, uh, that information I didn't come across, but I, I think from what I've seen, I think he was very quiet and he just accepted his, uh, his, his, uh, his uh, fate and trial. Uh, I mean, wow. the fate was mental asylum, right? Not, uh, not jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just uh, three years back in 2017, the. Uh, the Manitoba Criminal Code Review Board uh, ordered his discharge. He was, dis- he was granted an absolute discharge, uh, which means there's no legal obligations or restrictions uh, pertaining to Lee's living. Pretty much he's a free citizen. At this. So he's free. So you could be on another Greyhound bus sitting next to the dude, you know, if, uh, if you notice him. Uh, I, there's nothing afterwards. I don't know where he is. I don't know what he's done um but it is scary and i kind of feel like uh, i'm i'm not a lawyer uh, maybe you're a lawyer that i don't know about but like uh but i kind of feel like that is insanity right like if someone is uh, is just 8 8 years back uh killed someone or 9 years back killed someone uh, um well, not 8 yeah 8 years back <laughs> killed someone and then uh, uh and then just like you know served his time and then got out you know and this is like i think uh I feel like if this happened in another place in the world, where people are perhaps the Canadian judicial system, I think is a little bit more based on uh, on, on, uh, on kind of rehabilitation and back into society, okay. uh, whereas in other places it's a little bit more imprisoned. I uh, I just think it's fascinating. It's scary. Do you do you remember this period in your life? I totally remember this. It was a year after we graduated. I remember turning on the news, and it was all over the news, and people were freaking out.
1: Yeah. Like I said, I was on the Greyhound bus uh, coming back from uh, Montreal to Ottawa yeah. and um, uh, smartphones were becoming a thing then and um, someone yeah. got a message on their phone saying dude, get off the bus there was like a murder on a, on a Greyhound um, and I'm like okay, it doesn't automatically mean that everyone who's on a Greyhound bus is in danger it's just because one yeah. lunatic did something but it didn't make it that much more terrifying um, thankfully uh, I was sitting next to my friend and I had like the window seat. So yeah. um, I would be you your friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I knew him. I knew him. I thought I knew him, um, but yeah, that was horrible. And it, I think it was international news. Cause you know, that is quite a spectacular and horrific uh, murder. What, what,
0: what's the longest you've been on a Greyhound bus for? Is it just Ottawa Montreal or have you done Ottawa Toronto or Ottawa anywhere else?
1: I did Ottawa, Toronto, and actually, now that uh, we mention it, uh, this Greyhound topic, I'm never going to go on a Greyhound again, because yeah, totally. um, the time I went from Ottawa to Toronto, I can't remember what I was doing or why I was going to Toronto. I rarely have any business there, yeah. um, but it was about a four or five hour um, bus ride yeah, yeah. Uh, from, from Ottawa, and then what happened was, it was at night. Normally, it's a super, super busy road, uh, the 416, 417. I'm not sure which one it is. Yeah. And it's one of the busiest roads in all of North America. Yeah. But at, at night, it was like two in the morning, one in the morning. It was pretty quiet. And the bus driver had missed the turnoff on the highway to get yeah. to the station. Oh, really? And wh- what he does is instead of um, like keep going and to like find a roundabout way to the, the station, he stops on the highway and he puts his uh, yeah, four-way lights on and, and reverses <laughs> on the highway. And people on the bus were screaming, we're, we're going to die. This guy's crazy. And yeah. so he just reversed. And he heard beep, beep, beep. Cars are going by 120 kilometers an hour. Yeah. And he just casually just pulled back and went into the, that uh, off-ramp. And uh, that was absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Um, so, that, yeah, now that I mentioned, you mentioned this topic, um, there's some pretty traumatic things that I remember on these Greyhound journeys.
0: I've done the Ottawa Toronto trip and uh, I find it to be a nightmare end to end and on the bus itself, you know, in Toronto, you have to go to that station in downtown in the middle of the night or whatever. And then there's like all those people lining up there and the station looks like it was built in like the forties. And then, and then you have to take this trip. And then uh, when you get to Ottawa, it's right by the highway into the city and uh, you have to get off. I just don't find bus travel to be enjoyable. You know what I mean? when I was, if I was a student or younger, I totally like, I understand money and then lifestyle and friends and limited, but now I would not take a bus unless I really had to, I just find it like really uncomfortable. I would take a train, as you said, at the beginning of the, uh, the thing, I find trains extremely comfortable, uh, extremely, uh, uh, extremely nice. And just like, you can read a book, have a coffee, you know what I mean? Uh,
1: Um, yeah, I just, I find, uh, I think we talked about it a bit in the phobia episode last week, I, I, I don't like uh, enclosed spaces, I'm a bit claustrophobic, and I get that feeling on buses, and um Yeah, another uh, traumatic experience wasn't as bad as those other ones, but um, it was when I was traveling with my family. Um, We'd go to the UK every other year because most of my family is in the UK. And we would often land in London and sometimes we would go straight to um, the countryside where my grandparents are from. And um, normally it's like um, around the same thing for a four or five hour uh, journey. But uh, this particular occasion, there was a traffic jam in the countryside, and we were stuck on this bus for like seven hours, eight hours. Mm-hmm. And I I was going a bit crazy because we were stuck next to a guy. Um, he was, uh, I don't know what the politically correct term is uh, the, uh, these days, um, traveler, not a gypsy, um, but he had loads of rings. He had very long hair, um, hadn't uh, bathed in some time. So the smell <laughs> next to me was not great. I was getting very nauseous. Um, <laughs> And I, I think I resolved then and there that I said, I think I told my parents I'm never going on a bus ever again uh, to see uh, these people. I, <laughs> I'm either going to, I'm either going to take a train or uh, rent a car or go in the, yeah.
0: yeah. I, uh, um. I think it's a good experience to, to go through because it teaches you a lot and like it, it helps you be adaptive, but it, it also, builds uh,
1: resilience. Yeah. And...
0: But now that you and I are pretty much in our mid thirties, like I don't feel that we have to go through that anymore because we're, if we have kids, they can go through it and experience it. I did my time because I've, uh, I have also been in similar situations. I one time took a train. This was an unfortunate situation in Vietnam. Uh, uh, have I told you this story? I might've, but I don't think so. It was a, a 16 hour train from Ho Chi Minh city to Hanoi. I might get those confused, but those are the two major cities in Vietnam. And I get to the station uh, because things are cheaper. I go, like I buy first class or whatever it is, but first class is, is oh, a bedding, you can sleep. Sorry, it's not, a sitting, yeah. it's not a sitting compartment, you can sleep. But when I get to it, it's like one, uh, it's like beds here, here and here. So I take the top one. So it's me and, and a family of five Vietnamese people. And like no communication, what's, oh, sorry, I'm on the bottom. I remember now I'm on the bottom and it's one, two, three there. right? And so no communication. They're just like really no consideration whatsoever. They're just like partying, drinking, like, like grandma's with them. <laughs> you know, like, and so it was, we started in the evening and like, it was so frustrating that in the morning, uh, um, you know, uh, I don't know if you know, but some of the older trains, the, 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 the place where you sleep also uh, double as like benches. Yeah. Yeah. I know you, those. You can eat. So they all like sat by my feet, like starting to eat without even waking me up and stuff like that. Like, it's not like I wanted to eat with them, but like I was sleeping, you know? And so then, and then, so somehow through broken English, we, we swapped. I said, okay, I'll take yours. You take on the bottom. And so like, I'm on the top and there's still like 12 hours left on this trip, you know, uh, couldn't eat anything. Uh, all the food was, uh, was, uh, was gross and pork based. And like, I'm a Muslim, so I can't eat pork. Mm. I didn't have enough time at each stop to, uh, to just run out and grab something because I didn't know. Washrooms were destroyed within the first five minutes, you know what I mean? So like Hmm. I really considered just jumping off this train in the middle of Vietnam, you know, but I didn't know how I'd get to the next city. Thankfully, I met some Canadians who were a couple compartments down, and so I kinda hung out with them for a while and like, you know, but then they got off. And then uh, I just I just sucked it up and I got to the next station. And when I got there, I was in such a pissed mood. Like that's so horrible. I had to get it. I remember yelling at this guy who was like, Oh, you want a taxi? I was like, I don't want a taxi leave me <laughs> like, you know, yeah. so, uh, so I understand, but these are all good experiences. I think, you know, in life and like, uh, it teaches character it builds resilience. It's good to do once or twice. You know,
1: what about, um, trans Siberia? That's a very famous, uh, train journey. Do you know anybody who's done that or have you I, done I
0: don't, uh, I don't. Uh, um, but I think you and I, if we, Wear a nice, uh, nice suits and robes. We can sit in first class smoking our pipes and reading the newspapers. And uh,
1: I, I'm not sure that the even the first class compartments in Trans-Siberia is uh, of that caliber.
0: Is it? Okay, then we'll take no. the highest one. But I would love to do, I, I think it'd be a fun journey. I, I, there's a cool one there. There's one that goes through Africa, I've heard, which is supposed to be really nice. There's a there's one that, I don't know if it still exists or not, but it started in Istanbul and it goes to uh, uh, China?
1: Oh, yeah. we've um well there's the orient express which is orient. a real train i yeah. believe uh that's and they've revived that one but it's more of like a luxury train yeah. where like people pay a lot of money for the experience uh-huh, um, uh-huh. yeah. uh, which would be kind of cool i think yeah
0: um i, I, I didn't see it but I, I went to mauritania once and i wanted to see the world's longest train it's about two kilometers long it takes uh, uh, um, uh rocks and minerals from the middle of the country i've the heard field. of this and people yeah. ride it and stuff like that I didn't I didn't see it I didn't get I wouldn't dare uh,
1: um,
0: I mean you're when Sid mentioned to us about the trains in India uh, I mean how there's not enough trains that's why people kind of uh, overload them uh, yeah I mean I worked at a train company over a summer once a couple years back like a lot uh, the Rocky Mountaineer train company it's oh. a fancy one that that goes from BC to the Rockies and it's for rich people and there's like see-through compartments and stuff. I definitely would do it if I had the chance and if I had the ability, I mean, I would do the Via Rail, the Canadian one. That'd be fun, I think. And uh, if I had nothing to do and sit around, drink coffee all day. Sounds nice. Yeah, it sounds like a nice thing to do with the family and like see the country. I would, if there were other ways to see our beautiful country without taking a bus or a car uh, or a plane, because planes can also, you don't see anything, right? Uh, I would definitely take that opportunity uh, if I have the ability a nice drive across or a nice, uh, train. I apologize. across would be beautiful, but, uh, we, we
1: took some, uh, overnight trains. So the sleeper uh, carriages kind of like what you mentioned, um, there was uh, an occasion where we were traveling from Rome to, uh, Venice, I think yeah. it was. And, um, normally it's a pretty, um, relatively quick journey, even though it's a long distance, so you can do it in a day. Okay. But then there's also a sleeper train you can do. And that's quite cool. I, I was a bit apprehensive at first. I was like, uh, I'm not going to sleep on this thing. Um, it's going to be a bit uh, grimy to, to do, but it was actually a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. I managed to sleep. Um, and the thing is you don't have to worry about missing your stop. Cause I'm like, what if we like sleep yeah, through yeah. and end up in like, um, Austria or, or East, uh, Eastern Europe somewhere. Yeah. Um, but like each compartment is organized by like where the stop is. So they stick you in the one where it's like, you're getting off in Venice. So we'll knock on your door and we'll wake anybody else up. And we had paid for one kind of like what you mentioned, where it was, um, four people. Yeah. And there was a risk that there would be like strangers in in the space, but thankfully it was just me and my girlfriend. Um, and it was kind of a nice luxury. Uh, I got the, I think I got the top bunk. No, I got the bottom bunk. Yeah. Um, and they gave us in the morning an italian newspaper a coffee and a croissant so mm-hmm. that was a very nice experience i have to say um, i think um, so uh european your, train travel is really yeah. really nice
0: yeah i was gonna say you've lived in europe for a while now train travel is accessible it's affordable it's uh it's the uh, dream it's the dream yeah uh, um i did austria to hungary uh that that rail and that was really lo- lovely too and uh Nice coffees, not, not a long trip as well. I would definitely do it. There's a there's supposed to be a, India's there's supposed to be a really beautiful one in India that you can do across the country, I think. You might have to get on and off, but there's a because India is a huge place. So uh, we should go on a trip. We should report live from uh <laughs> from, from we'll, do place it. Place. we'll
1: turn this into a vlog.
0: A vlog. Um, anyways, I'll finish up with the story. Here's some interesting sure. facts I found about this story. So now that we've gone through the gruesome stuff, some interesting things. Uh, the week following the attack, Greyhound Canada announced it was pulling a series of nationwide advertisements, which included the slogan, there's a reason you've never heard of bus range, a bus rage.
1: <laughs>
0: so they were going to have this come out, but they were like, uh, maybe we should. Bad in, timing. Bad timing. Uh, after the incident, PETA, the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, attempted to run an ad in the Portage Daily Graphic comparing the killing of McLean to the consumption of animals. Uh, the, paper, the paper's publisher refused to run the ad. I think that's a good choice. Uh, PETA yes. can, I think, be a little aggressive sometimes, like I, I find. Just helpful. a bit. Just a bit. Uh, the family of Tim McLean uh, has brought a lawsuit or, uh, of 150000 against Greyhound, the Attorney General of Canada, and Vince Lee. Uh, interesting. I'm not sure on the outcome of the results, but I guess Greyhound, because it, it happened on their thing, the Attorney General, maybe because they didn't give Vince Lee a, a harsher sentence, and Vince Lee for committing the crimes. So
1: I think this would be a, a tough thing. one. I mean, yeah. um, my condolences to the family, but uh, I, I would have a tough time with going after Greyhound uh, on that one because totally. um, having traveled and, you know, you have the same experience, there's zero security. I mean, they just check that you've bought a ticket. And that's yeah. the only thing. So like maybe they should have had more of a duty of care on there. Yeah. I don't know, but. Do you,
0: uh, but do you agree with trying to go after the attorney general for not having a harsh enough sentence? This is a civil suit Remember, well would be not yeah.
1: A yeah, yeah i think what happened with him being released is a very tough one because i've read uh, other stories and i won't be able to cite the names because i forget but there have been cases where it's quite often that killers will plead insanity it's often like the defense um lawyers um their main thing if they're just like a serial killer mass murderer done something really terrible their almost default option is this person's crazy and it yeah. helps to like i guess give them a lighter sentence yeah. rather than if they're actually a, a rational serious normal person committing yeah. an act but like by definition an irrational person doesn't uh yeah. like murder someone unless it's self-defense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think there have been cases where, like, they're just out-and-out killers and they got real problems. Maybe they are a bit disturbed and there's a chance that they would commit uh, the act again. And so they turned out to be model uh, prisoners. They, you know, made their bed. They read bedtime stories to the other prisoners and did knitting club in the prison. And then they were released and they started killing a bunch of people as soon as that happened. So, so it was just an act, pretty much. <laughs> just an act. So I would not... Maybe he, he, he was allowed out and to be free again, but man, put it like a ankle bracelet or something totally. on him. Have yeah. a um, a camera on him at all times and
0: metal detector when he leaves the house. Their argument, I, I, I don't know, but I mean, I totally agree with you, first of all, but their argument would probably be both like, listen, he's been found innocent. He's done his time and he's out now, you know, so there's no legal obligation plus money, right? It costs money to watch people and like track. Sure. People but I totally agree. Like if I ever saw him, like, you know how, for example, when, uh, uh when, uh, child pedophiles or rapists or whatnot are released, uh, they are, you always have to know where they are. And then people in your community are made aware of There's it as a, a register. Always, yeah. So something like that could also be aware because like, Oh, who's to say this guy won't go off again. Right. And so like, I don't know, it's tough and it's difficult in this situation. But speaking of which, apparently uh, a couple of years back, two passengers on that bus in 2011, they filed a suit against Lee Greyhound and the RCMP and the Canadian government for being exposed to the heading. So they were, uh, the beheading, they were seeking 3 million in damages and they got declined. (laughs) So like, Uh, uh, that's the truth. And then the sad thing was one of the officers uh, who reported to the scene, like the one who was probably had never reported to anything even close to this, He committed suicide a few years later due
1: to PTSD, you know? Uh, Really? uh, Yeah. Was it, did they have evidence that it was connected to this? Uh,
0: I I guess so. I read it was uh, PTSD. I guess like apparently, I think they proved it that maybe, you know, his spouse or his family had had mentioned things as well. But I, I mean, I can imagine seeing something that gruesome, you know? that like, uh, you just couldn't deal with it and handle it. I, I give I think cops really go through and find like emergency service people, they go through a lot that a lot of us can't handle, they see death on a, on a, on a more frequent basis, and then really just like the horrific, most horrific parts of humanity. So it's sad. I mean, like, I don't know what I would have done too. But even if I was a passenger, if, if I was the driver, if I was a, a cop, I think it would be a really a lifelong stain on my life. You know what I mean? Like one of those really just horrific events that are really hard to kind of overcome personally.
1: I, yeah, I don't know how I would ever be able to come back from that. If I was a passenger on that, on that uh, bus, I wouldn't be able to function at work. Like just being able to trust people around you, yeah, uh, it would all be broken. So um, I wonder what the outcomes were with some of these people on the bus, whether they struggled with their jobs and their family life afterwards.
0: Yeah. But to yeah. let our listeners know we are a peaceful country Things like this happen once in a blue moon. We are nice people. I apologize on behalf of, on uh, the system for what happened. Please do come. Greyhounds are not horrible, as we pay them out to be. If you're, if you don't, uh, <laughs> don't sue us. Don't sue us. They're a good way to see the country. We're nice people. Like I don't think uh, murders are one in a few in our country. They're not that, but
1: they're quite rare of like this variety. But the, I think when they happen in Canada like this they're so outrageous that they become oh. international news because there is that other one, I think around the same time, maybe a couple of years afterwards. And it was this guy, um, uh, he was in like these romantic relationships. You'd like maybe meet pe- these people online in these gay yeah. forums. And then he ended up like killing them. Luca? Chopping, Luca. Luca, Luca Mag- Magnota. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He killed Yeah, and Yeah. He, the, one, the crazy thing that was he was like sending body parts to like political parties and totally. to all sorts of people across Canada and I, I remember that I it was like the conservative party received like a toe in the mail and yeah, yeah, um totally. something um, happened in this,
0: Vancouver too yeah yeah
1: something and then it, it became happen. international because they ended up finding the guy in a Berlin yeah. um internet cafe and he was like reading about his own crime he's and then the guy was like that's you what are you doing <laughs> Um, that,
0: that guy, that guy is in jail. By the way, he's serving, I think, a life
1: sentence. So yeah, like, that guy uh, should not be allowed out.
0: Um, yeah, i that I totally remember that case too, because uh, like it was just all over the news and like it was kind of like a national thing because it, the body parts were kind of going across the country, so it kind of connected everything back, even though it was like based in Montreal, right? And so like, it got, but like it just don't uh, there's no restrictions on what you can put in the mail like no one scans anything or sees it like if it's something's mushy or like it's just <laughs> smelly or leaky or you know like the canadian postal um,
1: service is i think they weren't primed mouth. for for body parts so they were mostly <laughs> primed for drugs and uh counterfeit stuff so they yeah, you'd think they would have something ready for um, a toe or a finger or something like
0: that. Well, we could we could spin it by saying that's how good our Canadian Postal Service is. That's how good. That's how we good. can get anything from place to place in the country. Yeah, so, uh, absolutely. I'm pretty sure it's pretty affordable, too. The Postal Service is not
1: that expensive in our country, so... Uh, and it- it just takes a while. I mean, the thing is in the COVID times, everyone's sending these Amazon packages and Canada post uh, does a lot of that kind of service. So my yeah. parents are saying like, the, I don't know if you, you're you aware, like Canada has gone from like everyone having their own individual mailbox to there's a community mailbox. Yeah. And so like everything they, they're, <laughs> they're not suiting the purpose anymore because, uh, Everyone's ordering boxes and boxes of Amazon stuff and you got to go in the...
0: Is that, is that because just to make it easier on the, the delivery guys and the mailmen, instead of going from house to house, just a centralized location?
1: Yeah, it's probably a nightmare for for the delivery guys in uh, winter to go house to house and probably better just to put it in one central location.
0: Yeah. Do you guys... Do, yeah. do, did you uh, did you ever used to order anything? Like You've been out of country for a while like me, but did you ever do Amazon or eBay or anything like that before leaving or... Did you do it now in the Netherlands?
1: No, I I mean, pretty much everybody around me is an Amazon person, but uh, not me. I think you know me pretty well. I'm a very simple guy. I don't like buying stuff. I only buy clothes when, like, there's holes and things are falling apart. So I really don't buy much stuff. Um, I I have a Kindle, and I'll buy some books on the the Amazon uh, Kindle shop. But uh, no, but, like, most of my friends, they're, like, on Prime, and they're just – it's so easy once you're on it's order 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 and like one click constant, by. one yeah, click. Yeah. so easy and it shows up the next day and the drones come by and drop everything off
0: yeah it's uh i i uh when we were living together back in university i went one time i did ebay one or two times when we were living in that house in ottawa and they delivered to the house Do you remember ebay i don't know if that still exists or not but like, eBay still
1: <laughs> yeah it does yeah
0: i don't know if I, that I, did,
1: I got scammed on ebay so i stopped using it, it yeah, was, yeah. i thought it was pretty scammy a lot of the stuff Um, yeah yeah, it's a thing
0: there you go anyways i hope i haven't given people nightmares or any bad taste of our country we are a nice country uh it's just an unfortunate incident and it happened during our lives and I, i i vividly remember this uh watching the news all and people were just freaking out but i thought as two canadians we should probably go back to our home country for something Maybe we can do something very positive next week. A positive light. Yeah,
1: uh, next week I'll think of something that's like sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. Uh, very friendly and uh, positive. Well, but that,
0: depending yeah. on what happens today in the world, right? <laughs> we might not have a next time anymore. <laughs> okay. The internet uh, might be revoked. Uh, you know, <laughs> it might not exist. But, uh,
1: uh, yeah, well, we'll think of
0: something. Stay positive, people. Uh, leave us a comment. Subscribe, like. Uh, uh, and let us know if you want, there's anything you want us to talk about, but Dave, I hope you have a good November the 3rd. I hope the results. Please enjoy.
1: Don't stay up all night. Get some sleep and uh, yeah. Have fun tomorrow morning.
0: There you go. Tomorrow morning. All right, guys. Bye. Peace.